Greetings from Felicity and Chupacabra Russell. Rachel, woof. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 200. And you heard all the fanfare. Yes. Thank you so much for that intro, Felicity, and your uh, bugle playing. Bugle? Bugle? Yeah, bugle. You know, do you like putting bugles on your fingers and pretend like your fingernails? (laughs) Those are my witch fingers. And then you, you eat them off. Well, if you want to introduce an episode and play your instrument, head on to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Why does it sound so dirty when you said, if you want to play your instrument? Maybe I meant it that way. Oh, uh, well, we are an explicit rating, so that's okay, I guess. Okay, the first one, retirement home. Call me Renee. Hey, best friends, how are y'all doing? Like many others, you beautiful ladies helped me through my late night shift at work and tuning people out. You ladies are amazing. You have no idea your personalities got me past a relationship with a narcissistic piece of shit. So my very first ghost experience was when I worked at a retirement community in Texas. So every Sunday night, I would have a group of residents that would come down to the lobby slash TV area and play Mexican Train. I would buy them snacks so they would have while they play. Cookies, soda, candy. One lady, I'll call her Z. She was always very nice and helpful, just so positive, and I used to tell her I want to be like her when I grow up. Oh my God, tears just thinking about her. One night, it was raining very bad, like when Uncle Fester opened that book and the Adams Family. I had set up their snacks so they would have them while they played. I saw one of the gentlemen she would play Mexican train with. I asked them what time they were going to start because they were about 10 minutes later than their usual meeting time. He said, well, we may not play tonight. We don't have everyone and we have to find a new player. When he said this, it didn't ring a bell in my head because the residents have disagreements all the time. They'll argue and not speak to each other for days. Then the next thing you know, they'll be friends again. So he leaves. I'm cleaning up the snacks. As I'm walking to the back area I'm assigned to, the lights jump off, but the emergency lights come on right away. I look down the hall and I see Z walking down the hall. Well, Z would never not speak to me, even if she had to come back all the way around from whichever direction she was going. When I saw her, I held my hands out like, what the fuck, but not in a mean way. She just blew me a kiss, which she's always done whenever she sees me. She turned down another hall. As I walked to try to catch up with her, another resident stopped me to ask me if I knew the power was out as she's shining a flashlight in my eyes. So about 20 minutes later, the power's back on and I go to make my rounds. I see one of Z's nurse and I ask her if Z is okay because it's not like her not to speak. The nurse looked at me with this deer in headlights look and she said, when did you see her? I said, about 30 minutes ago. She said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I know that walk when I see it. She said, Renee. Z passed away yesterday morning, so there's no way she paused and said, you know what, I forgot where we work, and laughed and said she was just telling you goodbye. I have a few more, especially the time I was locked in the chapel with a dead body all night. Well, one hour, but did I mention it was with a dead body? Girl. Okay, well, I already want to know that story. Right? How you got locked in a chapel? (laughs) With a dead body. See, the dead body part, it doesn't um, surprise me as much as the locked in a chapel. (laughs) But also, that's so sweet that she said goodbye to you. 
But also, God, he was just like, I don't think we're going to play tonight. We're down a player. We need a new one. Right. <laughs> Golly. I guess he just assumed that you knew. Yeah. But also, I know exactly what you mean, though, of being like, what the fuck? You get so close to residents and stuff that you develop that friendship, but you're like, uh, hello, you're not going to say hey? <laughs> yeah. Okay, the next one. Hi, ladies. I've written in before with the paranormal story, and this time I'm writing in with true crime. I'm hoping this resonates with some of your listeners, especially any teenagers. Back in around 2008 or 9, I was 15. At the time, I was very much into trying to rebel and getting into the world of boys, parties, and drinking. My best friend Bree and I were an inseparable duo, especially in the summertime when we didn't have class. I had a neighbor who lived one house away from me, so there was one house between us. He was one of those skinny, tall, pale, alternative guys that just seemed effortlessly cool. He had dreads for crying out loud. That summer, me, my sisters, and Bree would hang out in the garage with the door open. We had a whole setup going on with a bed, TV, and speakers. Often this summer, we would see the neighbor pass by. We'd smile and wave and then joke about hooking up with him. You know, girl things. One day, I decided to talk to him. I remember being outside and him passing by my house with a cigarette. I talked with him, and when he asked my age, I asked how old he thought I was. 19, he said, and I didn't correct him. I took a drag, trying to look cool, and flirted as hard as I could flirt. My mom came out and was like, hey, come inside. She did not like this guy. She called him a pinchy marijuana, which means fucking pothead. She told me to stay away from him, and I learned that day he was in his 20s. I want to say 24. Eventually, I went to his house. We hooked up. For several months, we arranged little hookup times. I'd always tell my parents I was elsewhere, or I would arrange it so it was directly after school, or I'd sneak out late at night. And if you can believe it, we arranged this all on our house phones. I was attending a local community college in the summer so I could take Italian as my foreign language. Talking about college added to my lie about being older than I was. One Sunday, after hanging out all day with Bree, probably watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer and eating hot dogs, I decided I wanted to see the neighbor. We made a plan that I'd say I was at Bree's and go to his place and then head back to hers to get picked up by my dad. It would be dark then and my parents didn't let me walk home alone in the dark at that time. At this point, summer was over and I had school the next day. My parents said no, but I begged. I'll add that at this point, they were suspicious as they had seen me talk to this guy a couple of times and just did not like him. At the time, I was so confused and irritated that they could dislike someone without even knowing them. Now that I'm a parent, I understand. Anyway, eventually they said yes, so we got ready and I went to his place while Bree went home. After hooking up and cuddling too long, I got up and started bolting to Bree's house. I was sure my dad would be there already. Remember, pre-cell phone era. So we just arranged on a time for me to be ready and to be picked up. As I ran up Rosecrans Avenue, I saw my dad's truck driving and Bree in the passenger seat next to him. Whoops. She was looking at me with the saddest, most apologetic and frightened look on her face. I felt incredibly panicked and afraid. In the car, my dad demanded I tell him where I was. First, I lied, but then I told the truth, that I had been at the neighbor's house. He dropped Bree off, and then he threatened the police station. We actually drove there, but they were closed. What? (laughs) 
Next, he drove to the neighbor's house. Fuck. My worst nightmare. I saw my dad outside talking with him. I don't really remember what my parents said to me, but I do remember them assuming he was selling me pot. They didn't mention anything about a relationship or anything like that. I was shocked, but I think it didn't even seem possible to them that their little girl would be having sex with this grown-ass man. That realization has been very powerful for me as an adult. Later, the next day, or maybe a few days later, whenever it was safe for us to talk, he said, Your dad told me how old you are. I've never done anything like this before, but I still want to be with you. (gasps) Or something along those lines. Of course, I was swooning. I told my sister about this, and she was like, yeah, right. I was pissed, but later, much later, I understood. Later, he moved away without saying anything. I was sad, but not too sad. Our quote, relationship was just sex. I asked my sister one day, I wonder where he is and what he's doing. And she said, probably hooking up with another 15 year old. I was hurt. But again, I understood this much later. It is not okay for a grown ass 20 something year old dude to have sex or any kind of romantic involvement with a 15 year old child. I was manipulated and legally raped. As a 15-year-old, I felt adored. I felt special and felt like this was literally his first time with anyone so young. As I got older, turned 20, 24, I really got a sense of how sick this guy was. When's the last time you saw a 15-year-old? They are children. If you're ever in a situation like this one, let the loser go. Women his age don't date him because they see who the sick bastard is. Date some other dork, some other age-appropriate doofus who you can look upon fondly later. Creep it real and don't get scared. That's so true, though. Even just look at, like, Demi Lovato now with her song 29. Like, she's like, it was a teenage dream, but who was it? Yours or mine? Yeah. Because she was, like, 17 and he was 29. Yes. What the fuck? Also, just know that at the end of that, while I was reading it, Carrie's head was just like nodding in agreement all the time. I was so mad. I'm so mad at this story. (laughs) But also have been that 17-year-old that's like talking to some dude on the internet that says that they're in their 30s and you're like, (laughs) yeah, and it's like, no, that's creepy as fuck. Yeah. So is that laugh. But you get the point. (laughs) (laughs) When she was like, this is my first time ever with someone this young, but I still want to do it with you. And I'm like, oh my God, that is the line for anything. You know, I've never done this before, but now that I know the truth or, you know, Whatever, even though it's wrong, I still want to be with you. And you know that's a fucking line, but it doesn't matter because you're like, because he loves me, because I'm so special, because I'm all of this and I've never felt like this before. But especially if it really was like just sex, because it wasn't just sex for you. Even if it was just sex, it wasn't just sex because you're a child. Yeah. With an adult, not a 15-year-old with another 15-year-old. You're a 15-year-old with a man. But also, your purest heart parents for thinking that you were just smoking pot. Yeah. <laughs> your poor friend was probably going, fuck, 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 the whole time in the car. Oh my God. My, like, I, oh, my stomach, like, hurt for your friend. Hey, ladies. Absolutely love listening to your podcast at work. You make weed whacking miles of roadside much more pleasant. Uh, we call that weed eating, like E A T I N G. Okay. Anyway. Found you through Let's Not Meet and absolutely love your punny name. 
I'm only on episode 40 right now, but wanted to write in with a story of my insane upstairs neighbor who wanted to kill each other. During my second year of college, I rented an apartment with a friend. First year was fall 2020, so it was all online from home. It was a university apartment and was much more like a hotel suite with every room requiring key card and password. Layout wise, the front door went from the hallway into the kitchen living room with a balcony and we were on the first floor, so it was more like a patio with a guardrail. Bedrooms were separate and had their own doors that took keys. My roommate lived in town, so he spent weekends with his parents, leaving the apartment all to me. One Saturday, I was woken up about 1 a.m. to a banging noise accompanied by indiscernible yelling. It sounded like a girl pounding on a door, and it sounded to my still-asleep mind like it was coming from the living room just on the other side of my bedroom door. I was absolutely terrified. I decided to wait it out, but after 30 minutes, the sound hadn't died down, and I decided to grab my flashlight and make sure there wasn't anyone trying to break into my apartment. I slowly opened my bedroom door, handshaking, and cast the flashlight to the glass balcony door. But the curtains were pulled over it, so if there was someone banging on it, I couldn't see it. The light switches were by the front door, on the other side of the living room. I think I might have broken a land speed record, dashing across the room to flip the lights on, and then over and pulling the curtains back to reveal nothing. I sat on the couch, listening to the banging and yelling, which had been going on this entire time. It then came to me that someone was likely locked out of their apartment and trying to wake up their roommate to let them in. My roommate forgot his keycard all the time, and I know some people who could sleep through a hurricane. Normally, you could just ask a maintenance worker to open the door, but it was 1.30 a.m. at this point, so I doubt there were many around. So I decided I would go and check it out, and if someone was locked out, I could offer them my couch to sleep on for the night. I opened my apartment door and looked down the hall. Empty. I made my way to the stairs and went up. At this point, the noises were inaudible, so I figured I was the only person in this whole apartment who could hear them. I turned the corner and looked down the hallway, but it was completely empty, so it wasn't someone locked out. I went over to the door of the apartment above me, and as I approached, I heard two girls screaming at each other. And let me just say that this is going to sound so fake. Many of my friends don't believe this detail of the story when I tell them. But when I went over to the door, I heard one girl yell, what, so you want me to leave? And the other responded, no, I want you dead. I swear to God, this is what I really heard on the other side of that door. I noped out of there real quick and went back to my apartment and put on the fan. It didn't block out the banging and the yelling, but it helped. I still couldn't fully fall asleep because of it, however. Then, around 2.30, I heard an absolutely blood-curdling scream and all the sounds stopped. I was terrified that my upstairs neighbors might have just killed each other, but it was almost 3 in the morning at this point and I needed sleep. The next day, I went and walked by their apartment to make sure they weren't dead. I heard music being played in what sounded like normal conversation between a group of people. It sounded like they were having a party. My roommate was skeptical that the noise would travel like that in our apartment since it was almost completely silent at all times of the day normally. A few weeks after this, he was sitting at his desk and I was standing in the doorway talking to him. There was a blood-curdling scream that sounded like it came from our living room. No other noises accompanied it. However, we might not have heard them because we were talking. Over the next semester and a half, I heard banging noises occasionally from overhead, but never the amount I heard that night. There weren't any more screams. Even despite this, they were really weird. All the apartments have balconies, and they left a giant, like, five-foot-tall stuffed animal out on the balcony for months. The curtains were closed at all times, and there was occasionally a cat that would sit on the windowsill. 
However, the apartment had a serious no animals policy. Also, neither me nor my roommate had ever seen them over the entire year we lived there. Not even once in the window. On the balcony, in the hallway, nothing. It was super weird. I'm glad we moved out of those apartments now. Love you guys and your podcast. Horror is always less horrifying if you can laugh at it with friends. Creep it real, Simon. Okay, well, first, they sound like me and you, where we could be so mad at each other, and then, like, we're great. (laughs) That's the truth. Like, having a party. (laughs) But even still, I would never be like, I want you dead. No. Yeah. No, no, no. We've had too much trauma for that. Yeah, that's not something you joke about. Death and divorce. In an argument, you never say the D word. Any D word. Besides dick. Unless you're saying, I want that dick. Uh Uh-huh. Also, you just went back to sleep. That is true. But you know what it is, is that, yeah, I need sleep, but also I don't want to bother anyone if what I'm hearing isn't as bad as I think it is. Okay, the next one, group home ghost. Hi, ladies. I'm a relatively new listener. I discovered you two months ago as of June 2022, just before I got sick with COVID and basically haven't listened to anything else since. I see a little bit of myself in both of you, and you've kept me company through some long-ass days, like tonight when I have to work a 20-hour shift. What kind of workplace lets you work 20-hour shifts, you may ask? Well, I work in a group home, and I have some stories for you. I was going to wait until I was all caught up on your podcast to send these, but the more I listen, the more stories of my own that I remember and want to share. I decided to get a head start with these two stories specifically because Carrie's story of the girl in the group home in episode 131 hit me close to the heart and made me think of my own clients. However, I'm thankful that my stories are paranormal and not true crime because I know I would be absolutely devastated if one of my clients were to suffer the same fate as Terry Joe Bradish. The first story I have happened a few months ago when I was working an extra night shift. Now, I've always been sensitive and an empath, but I've never seen anything paranormal like a ghost or a spirit with my eyes before. I just feel them. I know there's a friendly spirit or two in this house that I'm working at. My guess is it's an old couple who used to own the house before the company I work for bought it. According to the neighbors, the old couple were the only owners of the house and they both passed away here. I see shapes and shadows out of the corner of my eyes all the time. I have another story about that, but I'll send that in another day. And I can sense them watching me while I work. There's no malice or ill intent. I think they're just curious about what's going on in their house. So anyway, one night I was working night shift and sitting at the kitchen table doing some homework. Yay for going back to school as an adult. From where I'm sitting, I have a clear view of the stairs that lead up to the bedrooms. I like to sit there because I can easily see if one of the clients gets up in the middle of the night for some reason. All was quiet that night and I was thankful because I was exhausted, mentally drained from school and physically tired from being up at God knows what hour of the morning it was. Then I saw something move on the stairs out of the corner of my eye. I looked up automatically expecting one of the kids to be going to the bathroom or getting some water but instead I saw something I'd never seen before. There is a spirit slowly going up the stairs. There's no other way to describe it. It was clearly the silhouette or the outline of a person, but it wasn't dark or shadowy at all. In fact, it was almost shiny. It was this glimmering, shimmery, silver blue white light that made up the shape of this person. My first thought was that I was so tired I was seeing things. So I closed my eyes, gave them a little rub, took a deep breath, and opened them again. 
Nothing had changed. I looked away and looked back, and still, the spirit kept going up the stairs. Before it reached the top, it just faded away, just as suddenly as it had appeared. It was gone. I really do think it was the spirit of one of the previous owners just checking in and making sure everything was okay. Now, my second story is a little creepier and also a secondhand story because my supervisor told me around a month ago and I just have to share it. Both clients in my house are indigenous and we do our best to try to keep them connected to their identity and culture. Last year, they got an elder to come in and smudge the house. When he was there, my supervisor, Alice, started asking questions about smudging, what it did, how it worked, and all of that. Then she asked the elder what kind of energy was in this house. He replied that most of the house was okay, but the energy was a bit heavier in the office and in the bedrooms. That makes sense, seeing as the office is the only guaranteed safe place for the staff if things get violent or we need to take a break, cry, vent, whatever else we can't do in front of the clients. And the bedrooms, well, our clients see them as their safe space. It's where they go when they need to take a minute, when they're angry or sad or whatever it is they're feeling. These rooms see a lot of emotions, so it makes sense that the energy is heavier. Once a house was smudged and that heavier energy cleared out, Alice brought the elder over to another house in the company. One of the clients at that house, Cole, is our youngest at age eight right now, though he was only six when this happened. Each house has what we call our sharps closet. Usually it's a closet or a cupboard in the kitchen that we keep locked at all times. It has things in it like knives, chemical cleaners, etc. that our clients cannot get their hands on for everyone's safety. According to Alice, ever since Cole came into care at that house, he was constantly asking to be let into the sharps closet so he could talk to the bad man. Obviously, a six-year-old shouldn't be let into a closet full of knives, group home or not, so he was never allowed, though it didn't stop him from asking. When Alice brought the elder over to that house, Cole was out somewhere doing something else. Again, Alice asked what kind of energy was in the house, and this time, the elder said this house was fine, except for the dark energy coming from, you guessed it, the sharps closet. The elder finished smudging that house and then was on his way. The real kicker, to this day, Cole has never mentioned the bad man or asked to go to the Sharps closet again. I hope you enjoyed these little sinister sightings. You'll definitely be hearing from me again in the future because I have all sorts of stories, including some knowledge of my past lives, how I found my soulmate, and when a spirit wished me happy birthday, and the time I accidentally astral traveled to hell. Yes, that hell and more. Thank you so much for all the hard work you guys do. Creep it real and don't get scared. Love from an extra large pizza in New Brunswick, Canada, Lily. Okay, first things first, Lily, I need to know how you met your soulmate because I need to make that happen for me. Because we all know that I paid last year to get, wasn't it last year, to get my soulmate? I can't remember. It feels like it was. I don't know, but we all know that was not my soulmate. Honestly, probably around this time because it was probably like a special for Valentine's Day. Yeah, So it probably really was around this time. Yeah, it was a Valentine's, like, whatever, like my soulmate. Well, that guy could walk in the door and you could fall in love tomorrow. No. You don't know that. No, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I got a type and that ain't it. Okay, but Lily, back to your story. Sorry. Uh, was that a Twilight vampire looking thing going up the stairs? Like it was shiny, shimmering, splendid? Do you know what Disney movie that's from? Oh, Jasmine. Yeah. Uh, Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, aren't you a feminist? <laughs> <laughs> I just was thinking she's the one that says it. No. She's not. It's him. <laughs> I'm glad Alice never let Cole into the sharps closet, though. But also, I want to know what the bad man wanted. Okay, the next one. Hello, ladies. Love your podcast, and I've been meaning to write in again. I wrote in about two years ago and was stoked to hear you read my Sinister Sightings on your podcast. I wrote in about the serial killer, Jesse Matthew, that I went to college with and a few odd happenings at my home. I have some more stories for y'all. I wrote on the group page back in December about an instance where I had what I think was sleep paralysis and was trying to scream to get my husband's attention, but I couldn't move or scream and was being held down by my wrists. And it felt like someone or something had sat on the edge of the bed, but this was not my husband as he was in a different room. This was the first time I had ever been truly terrified and experienced that sort of feeling. Then, just a few weeks ago, we were home and sleeping in our bed, and I had that same thing happen again. This time, my husband was right next to me, and I was trying to scream for help, and my wrists were again tied down, and I couldn't get my scream out and was paralyzed. I finally managed to wake myself up and told my husband what happened. He said I was talking in my sleep, but it was all mumbled and soft. You know how when you're screaming in your dream, but it's like you have no voice? That's what it felt like. I remember thinking while it was happening that my husband was right next to me and he couldn't help me. Another story is about a classmate of mine from elementary school who decided to become a burglar later on in life. At the time of this burglary, I lived in the same somewhat small town that I had grown up in, and I don't easily forget names of classmates that I went to school with over 30 years ago because you either see them around or you know someone that knows them or you just hear things. You know, small town life. Anyway, I was single and living alone in a condo, and in the closet, there was a small trap door in the ceiling. Being the true crime nut that I am, I immediately had my dad come over and make sure the damn thing was secured and locked because I didn't want to wake up to find some creepy-ass person dropping down into my room. Fast forward a few months, and what the heck do you know? That's exactly what happened, but not to me or my condo. Thank God. I found a news article about the incident and have copied some of it because I cannot explain it quite as well. A suspected burglar was wearing a women's pink pajamas at the time of his arrest in an apparent attempt to hide his earlier activities. Residents told police they heard noises coming from their bedroom ceiling about 12.15 p.m. Monday and followed the sound to a master bedroom closet. When the resident of the condominium opened the closet, he saw a chair being lowered to the floor from the attic trap door in the ceiling. The chair was attached to a cord, which led to a tattooed arm coming out of the ceiling. Officers arrived at the scene and discovered that the burglar had apparently punched through firewalls, dividing the attics of the condos. The suspect was arrested in a bloodstained pink pajamas when the officers found him. Investigators said the suspect allegedly changed into the pajamas to hide the drywall and ceiling insulation on the clothes and the scratches on his back from roofing nails. Ouch! Investigators said they did not yet know how many condos he allegedly may have burglarized. He was arrested and charged with burglary to an occupied dwelling and other charges. Luckily, he didn't harm anyone, and I believe he only stole jewelry. I've since looked him up, and he's still getting into trouble and has multiple arrests on his record. He is currently incarcerated for an unknown amount of time. So, yeah. Those are some more of my sinister sighting story. Apparently, I went to school with serial killers and people who like to crawl from holes in the ceilings. Thank you for always making me laugh out loud on my walks and while riding in my car. You girls are the best. 
Okay, did you see that meme going around? And it was like, would you rather have a person yes. in your attic or a thousand R words that I'm scared of? Precious. No, I swear I would rather have a person living in my house. A person you can like potentially defend yourself against. Yes. And if I get him gone, like if I call the police on that person or whatever, I can shut up that thing and be okay. I would never feel safe. I would always see something crawling and all the things I cannot do it. Jigsaw, if you're out there listening, please do not get me and please do not mess me up with our words, please. But I can also see the flip side of how you would say like you never feel safe when there's a person there too, though. Yeah. I mean, your house is your private space has been violated. Oh, 100%. I'm just saying for me personally, that's that's how bad that phobia is. Yeah. But oh my God, can you imagine being like, I hear something and then seeing a chair being lifted down and then an arm? Right. I'm like, bruh, you didn't hear them talking and know they're awake like you that What? I know. Bless his heart if he came in for jewelry at my house because he'd be like, what this girl do? Because I got all kinds of weird earrings. No, no fine jewelry. <laughs> this girl had been shopping on Shein. <laughs> <laughs> but I am glad that it wasn't your apartment. For real. You knew what was up. What uh-huh. would have happened if you like hadn't done that? Would he have come to yours? And you're like, dude, I know him. Oh my God, right? Okay, the next one. Hello, lovely creepsters. I've written in to you before about some sightings I witnessed with my family after my dad passed. I thought it was time to send more information. I'm a little behind, so I've been doing some catch-up listening and just listened to episode 209 about the House of Horrors where they found two small children being neglected and two older children living in the home with their mother. They also found bodies of infants and animals in the home. This story actually happened in my hometown of Blackstone, Massachusetts. Not only that, the house was around the corner from my home, maybe 100 feet away. It was a horrible time. Newspeople parked on my street and one even knocked on my door and asked to use the bathroom. We also had FBI agents knocking on our doors to ask questions. I never knew the family. They were really quiet. The house is gone now and the lot is still empty. The town is trying to acquire the property, but there are back taxes due and there are other protocols that need to be followed, I guess. I really don't keep up with the politics of it all. There's another case that Carrie might want to look into. It's about a girl that was in class ahead of me at school. She was murdered in her basement doing laundry in the city of Woonsocket, Rhode Island. This happened in 1982. The case has a lot of strange things that happened. There was another person hurt during the crime as well. She survived but has no memory of the incident. I ended up working with this person about 10 years later. If you Google Doreen Picard, you'll find a lot of information. Now a little spooky stuff. I live in an old apartment in Rhode Island. It had six apartments and what used to be storefronts on the first floor. I lived on the third floor. I had many experiences there. My bedroom was situated right next to the pantry, and I would hear the cabinet doors open and slam shut all the time. Three times I woke up to what looked like fog over my bed that would disappear once I was totally awake. One night I woke up to someone whispering in my ear, please, 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 please. I could not move. I guess I had sleep paralysis. I finally was able to move my arm and push whatever or whoever it was off of me. Another time, I was sitting on the couch and felt something swish through my hair. Mind you, I was home alone that day. My daughter would tell me about a little boy in her room that would play with her toys, and he even wished her happy birthday one year as she could hear him. She's very sensitive to these things. 
While I lived in this apartment, my good friend died of cancer. He was very protective of me when he was alive. I dream a lot of family and friends who have passed. One night, I dreamt about this good friend. He came to me and said that all the bad ghosts were gone. I don't remember strange things happening there after that. Hope you found my information interesting. Creep it real and don't get scared. Love listening. Cindy Crawford, not the model, from Blackstone, Mass. Do you know how many times she hears, oh, like the model? Oh, my God. And you know exactly what Donna would say if she met you? (laughs) Oh, like the model? (laughs) Like... 1,000%. That would be the very first thing Donna Elwin said to you. Yes. Why well, you have to use my government name? Because <laughs> that's how serious it is. I remember that episode, though, that you did. Because that really stayed with me, too. Yeah, that was a really brutal story. Also, like, I know you're just giving us your perspective. And you don't really think about what happens to the neighbors when something happens like that. You know, like, people are... Parking in your lawn, there's reporters outside, you know, people like cameras, all the things, lights all the time, like just everything is right there. And you don't think about it because you don't really see it on the newscast. You just see the news reporter out there by the house. Well, and I think that as much as the Dahmer thing got some heat because people felt like it sensationalized him, I think that it really did a good job of showing that like, uh, Nisi Nash's character and all of that. Like, it mm-hmm. really showed, like, what people go through living next to something like that. Yeah. Because, like you said, there's so much that happens with it that you just don't think of. I'm so untrusting of people. So, if the FBI agent was like, hey, can I use your bathroom? Be like, no. Are you a murderer? Like, no. You're not coming in my house. But then, it's also like you want to be hospitable and... Helpful and all yeah, the things. Yeah, all the but, things. Yeah. But it's like... No, you're not coming to my house. No, I totally get that. Okay, this one. Just call me Ann Rule. There was a stranger beside me. Hello, my beautiful creeptastic sisters from different misters. Eva from Buffalo is back. Strap in. This one's a doozy. I worked as a teacher aide in special education high school in Niagara County, New York for six years. Also, why is that so cool to me? I'm like, Niagara County. That means you were by Niagara Falls? Like, it's so cool when people live places that you want to go. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, so far, that's my takeaway. The specific program I worked in was called CDOS, an acronym standing for Career Development and Occupational Studies. This program was designed specifically for students whose IQs were in the range 60 to 70, meaning it's unlikely that they would be able to pass state exams required for graduation. In completing the CDOS program, students receive a certificate that shows even though they graduated high school without a diploma, they still have learned life skills and have tools to be successful in real life. The majority of our students come from inner city areas. There wasn't a single student there who didn't have trauma. There wasn't a single student there whose parents were still married, alive, or not in prison. Most of our students' only meals for the day came from school. These kids came into school with a learned distrust for adults. Just recently, I learned that an aide who I thought was a friend from my program turned out to be a stranger beside me. Please say her whole name because she doesn't deserve to be protected. Melissa Dimon, 33, married with an adopted child, was charged with one felony criminal sexual act and one misdemeanor count of sexual abuse against two of my students. Melissa, to me, was a kind and caring aide. She was always coming up with ideas for fun things to do or cook for our kids. She always made it a point to make sure our staff's birthdays were always celebrated. Hell, she even brought Secret Santa to our team and gave the nickname Tinsel. 
I was sick to my stomach when I heard this news. These were two boys who trusted this woman. These were two boys I've known and taught for at least three years. Two boys who learned to trust us. Two boys who we've cooked for and fed. Two boys we took into the community for job internships. Two boys who don't have parents. The list could go on. I cried for days and days. I contemplated whether or not my current college route of social work was the right decision. I don't want to work in the human services field if I'm going to experience my cohorts abusing our clients. I now work as a behavioral health assistant in an inpatient substance abuse rehab for young adults. I adore my job and it never ceases to amaze me when I watch my residents leave our program successfully. In conclusion, I want to commend those two boys for reporting the abuse to their teachers and a big fucking hooray, being from Buffalo, I do not do this often, to our local law enforcement for doing their fucking jobs. Yours in creepiness, Eva. I'm so proud of them too, because like you said, they had a distrust for teachers and Mm -hmm. people and then to be abused by an aide and they, they were able to still go to someone and report it. But fuck Melissa. There is a special place in hell for people who abuse people, period. But someone with special needs or like the elderly or anything like that. Like I said before, fuck all the way off. Yes. I can't imagine knowing them too. It's like you hear the story and it's heartbreaking enough. But then to know that you worked with this person and you like know, know them. I can't imagine. I don't understand how people can have such different behaviors for people. Like, I cuss a lot, and it takes all that I can to not cuss that much, like saying the F word and all that, in front of Carrie's mom. And that's, like, so minute and so, like, not innocent because it's cursing, but you know what I mean? Like, but that's just me, and it's just who I am, and it's so hard to reel that in. How do people hide this, like, monstrous side to them? So evil and so conniving. Uh, Oh, God. Just know that I'm not a trickster because I cannot lie. No, you're literally hiding. You're living a double life. Like, how can you be this person that pretends to be, like you said, this wonderful aide that you love these kids and you take care of them and then you also abuse them? All right. Last sinister sightings. Sleep paralysis demon gone rogue. Hey, y'all. I listen to y'all nonstop while working. Thank you for saving my sanity. And I have a lot of fun stories. My first apartment was across the street from a huge cemetery that dated all the way back to the Civil War and probably further back in Milledgeville, Georgia. I didn't think anything of the location because I had walked by it many times for over a year. Upon moving in over the summer of 2016, I was the only person living in the entire building. The building was itty bitty. I would hear faint voices and footsteps every night all summer. It sounded like having a TV on in another room, but I only had one TV in my bedroom. They would whisper and shuffle around my kitchen, just hanging out while I tried to sleep. That fall, I got a kitten. One night, I was almost in dreamland when I heard him meow in my doorway. I was holding him in my bed. Hearing my cat meow in the doorway when he's in my bed happened multiple times after this. Soon after the first meow incident, I started to suffer from night terrors and sleep paralysis. It caused me to slip into a depression and ruined my sleep schedule. This went on for most of the school year. I continued hearing phantom voices and footsteps along with sleep paralysis. One night, sometime in the spring semester, I got angry with whatever had been messing with me all semester and literally told it to fuck off. 
whatever was stealing my sleep from me would hold my head down facing my bedroom door. This night, I was finally able to fight back and look at my closet where it stood. What was standing there was tall, completely dressed in black, with a grotesque version of the mask of the spirit and spirited away. I was so scared, but I finally woke up once I saw it. The energy in my room was neutral and the streetlight was shining through my room again. The room was black in my dreams. I did not suffer from sleep paralysis again after that and eventually caught up on my sleep. Wild. I hope y'all enjoyed. I'll send more stories soon. Thanks for reading. Well, not only is that terrifying, it literally fucked with your sleep. (laughs) When you don't have the right sleep, this sounds like an ad, and when you don't have the right amount of sleep, but it really does cause depression and just, you're so exhausted, you could give like zero fucks about what's going on Mm -hmm. because you're just exhausted. Also, was that a ghost cat? Like, that was like, oh, you got a kitten? I got someone to play with? Yeah, that was uh, weird. Like, not like your story (laughs) weird. Like, oh my God, like, what's this random... I don't know. Was that what was holding you down? Or, yeah. Or was it just like throwing its voice so like you would like try to get up and go to it? I don't know. Because that's what would get me. Like, you know how they say those like serial killers and stuff will play like a crying baby sound? Mm-hmm. Ain't going to get me, okay? I'm just going to tell you I'm heartless. Ain't going to get me. However, if I heard some meows, I'm like little meek meows or some little like a roo-roo-roos. Yeah, the roo-roo-roos would get me. I would be like, hold on. Well, because it's episode 200, we got to give y'all a little palate cleanser, just a little extra story. They literally titled it Palate Cleanser. Hello, ladies. First off, obligatory praise. I absolutely love y'all in this podcast. Y'all truly are a blessing. It was so bittersweet when I called up, and now I have to wait weekly for my dose of you two spooky bitches. I know, I know, I could get more on Patreon, but this hoe is broke. Now, a little background for my story. My wife and I lived with my parents for a while between moving from Florida and buying a house in Ohio. My family is big into horror movies and true crime, paranormal, etc. My wife is not. She is very easily creeped out and wants nothing to do with our spooky antics. One night, we were all up after dinner deciding what to watch on TV. My mom chooses Hereditary on Netflix. That automatically omits my wife and she says she'll just hit the hay early. I kiss her goodnight and settle in for the movie with the fam. A little ways into the movie, we hear this god-awful noise like someone is trying to drill through a window. Like Mission Impossible style with power tools. We're all creeped the fuck out and huddle closer on the couch. My dad, the ever-protector, grabs his gun and heads outside to the side of the house. The noise stops, but we hear it again. This time for a shorter amount of time. And then it stops completely. Old dad must have scared them off. I told everyone I was going to check on wifey because she's probably glued to the bed with fear if she heard what was going on. Everyone else stayed downstairs to discuss what the fuck could possibly have happened and I passed dad on his way back in. He said he didn't see anyone and just looks generally baffled. So imagine my surprise when I get upstairs and my wife is sitting on the bed in absolute tears from laughter. Here I thought she'd be scared like the rest of us. I asked if she finally lost it and if she was okay. In between laughing gasps, she explained that she opened our nightstand to get out an adult toy charger, hoping we could have some fun when I came to bed, but a vibrator fell between the wall and the nightstand, turning on when it hit the floor. (laughs) She said she finally got it by the tip of her fingers before (laughs) dropping it again and then finally getting it to turn off. She said she heard my dad grab his gun and go outside and look for the (laughs) intruder. 
and she was too embarrassed to admit what happened. We never told them, but now you guys know, my wife, the unspookiest of them all, scared the shit out of my family with a vibrator. Keep up the good work. Lindsay and Ashley from Ohio. Oh my God. That is great. Oh my gosh. I could just see her like with her fingers trying to get it. Yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. Oh shit. And it and did it again. It. Oh my God. <laughs> I kind of in the back of my mind was like, oh, she's scaring y'all. Like, good for her. You yeah. Know? And then <laughs> she didn't. And that is even way better. But yeah, I mean, what do you say? Like, sorry, that was her sex toy. <laughs> yes. To your parents. Ew, no, you don't. You just say, oh, creepy intruder. <laughs> oh, God. I, I would not be able to come out of that room till like at least the next day. Where and be like, say something sad, like think something sad, so yes. I'm not like don't tell him, up. don't tell him, don't tell him, don't yes. tell him. <laughs> oh my god, that is fantastic! <laughs> wow. Well, thank y'all so much for keeping us going with these sinister sightings. Y'all know I'm terrified we're going to run out of stories, but 200 episodes and we're still going on these. Oh Holy fuck! If you want your story read, send it into aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared. Also, we're in like June of 2022, just for y'all to know.